0: Hello, welcome to JasonNewland.com. My name is Jason Newland and this is Let Me Bore You to Sleep. Please help me listen when you can safely close your eyes. That's it really. That's the hell recording. (sighs) And relax. now, Uh, just to let you know, all of my recordings are available on my website, I'm feeling cold yet the heating is on and the windows are closed, I'm sitting now next to the radiator and that's quite a good start for a boring recording isn't it? because that was quite boring I felt a bit rough today <laughs> rough still feel a bit rough Um I've been sleeping I normally as you might know <clears throat> I normally sleep during the day and I'm awake at night <laughs> Uh which is when I make my recordings, but I got new neighbours moving in, and they're well—they're just decorating and stuff during the day, and which means I'm not getting much sleep. Um, which is kind of ironic, considering this is a sleep recording. Why don't you just listen to yourself, then, JJ? it's not quite the same it's not not quite (laughs) the thing is if I listen to myself I'll just be sitting on the edge of the bed waiting for what I'm going to say next because I find myself fascinating so there Um, so I reckon I'll I'll be alright. What's the time? It's 4.20 in the morning. So. I thought I might as well do a recording. I was in bed. I've been in bed on and off pretty much all day. And all evening. Get up for a few hours and go back to bed. I've taken. I've taken Audrey out twice today and the first time I took him out it was still light so it was about 6 o'clock I think in the evening and we went into the field and I actually let him off I didn't I let go of the say the washing line I don't have a washing line I let go of the lead I don't disconnect the lead but I let go of the lead that way I can put my foot on the lead and stop him walking further so you know I can kind of catch him a bit easier that way and I just let him let him run and he it did, it did oh he ran uh, first of all he started running back to the path I had to stop him because he'll go into the ditch he loves doing that and I, I've struggled to get to him it's happened twice and I've the first time I fell into some water and got covered in mud and the second time he got right into the ditch it was all dry at that time and I just uh, cut my arm open on bushes and some metal stuff just basically because I couldn't get to it luckily he turned back and came back to me which was nice but he's cheeky, he'll run off if he can so we're in this big field like it's a proper uh, field field you know I don't know not like a park a farm you know a farm field and you know things where people grow stuff so chasing him well not chasing him he's running I managed to divert him so we're into the field And we walked the full length of the field, which is a long way. You can't actually see with your eyes the end of the field, as it were, you know, because it's it's quite a distance. Or I can't see with my eyes. (laughs) Maybe other people can. Not see with my eyes, but see with their eyes. And he's running along, and I'm having to kind of walk really fast, to keep up with him and he stops every now and then, he's rolling around in the mud, but it's dry mud, so he's he's enjoying it. It's more dust. And it's interesting because every now and then he stops and he looks back to see where I am. he likes me to think I think that he doesn't care. He's just doing his he's gonna do what he wants and he's not bothered, but he does he wants to make sure I'm there. He's a little daddy's boy, isn't he? He's such a little baby. So he looks back. Oh, where, where are you, dad? Oh, there you are. Just to make sure I'm with him. And I did, I purposely got onto one side so he couldn't see where I was. And he was running. And he looked back. It's like, it looked like he almost like a Like, oh, And then he saw me. Looked like I had to look around the other way so it's quite cool so it's a nice quite a nice walk it was lumpy and bumpy yeah, because the, the probably for the first time in ages the, the mud wasn't all smushy and muddy and wet so I don't go in the field when it's, met, when it's wet he wants to but I don't I like it, but today it was super dry, so it's very hard. so my ankles had a good old stretch, I would say, you know, I'd move my feet, move it from one side to the next and stuff it's a weird visual is isn't it my my feet moving from one side to the next but you know what I mean like pivotally because of the the ground being so lumpy and bumpy so um, he seemed to enjoy himself and I thought we went all the way up to the field then we walked back the pathway back so we ended up not far from where I live. And I thought, we'll just go back home. Nope, that wasn't enough for him. He still wanted to walk all the way around the block, through the park, the way we normally go. And he didn't want to get up, I don't think. I don't think I picked him up once the whole time. Don't think so, I might have done once, but generally he just wanted to walk the whole time and he went to sleep straight away when he got home and I took him out again this evening probably quite late and he took me all the way around the block all the way around the estate again is when he got back went to sleep so lots of exercise lots of sleep Uh, and he's happy it seems doesn't take much to make the boy happy he's ever so happy so yeah I'm just uh, weird times weird times that's all I'm going to say there weird times so there's nothing in the news that I can really talk about. I'm trying to think what is in the news. Um, Harvey Weinstein is all. so that's not bad. That's pretty good. He's... Uh, what other things? No, I can't think of anything else. Oh, there was a video of Madonna in the bath on Twitter, and I don't know what it was if it was the lighting or the camera, but she looked really different I and mean, just her face you know didn't like show her body or anything, but they showed her face, and she was it was her own video talking and stuff. she looks different I don't know what she's done might, as I said it might just be the angle and you know who cares what she's done it's up to her but she looks good for 90 though doesn't she <laughs> I used to love Madonna true blue baby I love you I love you no, no more sadness Kiss us goodbye Do-do-do-do Do-do-do-do Papa, don't preach I'm in trouble, please Papa, don't preach I've been losing sleep But I've made up my mind I'm keeping my baby Ooh, I'm gonna keep my baby Ooh, oh Yeah Maddie. Maddie, Maddie, McMaddie. Oh, there was, a, it was a, a young lady called Maddie she used to work at the club. After I stopped being, when I moved away, I used to go and visit at the comedy club and she was so beautiful. Her name was Maddie. But unfortunately, she didn't acknowledge my existence (laughs) I was invisible to her it's weird, you know when you're somewhere and you're, not that you're somebody but you are a part of the machine um, I was part of the comedy club for 20 years in some capacity whether just as a performing there or just hanging out there, going out weekends, meeting friends, other comedians, or just, you know, or being a DJ there, which I did for a while. You know, it's lots of different, like, roles I had, helping out in the office and stuff. But then to not have any role at all (laughs) was weird. And for the first, like, year or so, I'd visit and I'd still see people that I knew. But gradually the staff changed. The waiters and waitresses left. The new ones came in. They didn't know who the hell I was. The bar staff changed. They didn't know who I was. It was just kind of, oh. Luckily the door staff stayed the same for most of the time. So that was quite good. But it was just, oh. They don't know who I am. Because when I first started going back, he used to make a little fuss, a little bit of a fuss, like, "Oh, it's Nobbed. He's, he's visit, revisiting us." Oh. And but then it changed to, "Oh, it's another Nobbed." We having to drink. Oh, 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 I want some love what I'm looking for, some love some recognition I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure I, used, I tried to impress the the uh, bar manager it was a lady, I forget her name I tried to, and she didn't know who I was and I was trying to, because she was having no interest in talking to me I was trying to impress her by, by pointing to one of the um, it was like this big pillar that held up part of the ceiling. I tried to impress her by saying, You see that pillar there? That red pillar? I painted that. You see those toilets there? I cleaned up after the people that built those toilets. She just wasn't impressed. I said, You see this bar? I remember when it was a different bar. Before it was you know, before this bar was built, it was a different one. Again, nothing. No 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 sign of twinkle and excitement in her eyes. And I said, You know, I was here before those doors were put in. She said, What doors? I said, Those doors in the middle of the club that stopped the the, you know uh, connect the bar to the actual comedy part. They they didn't used to be there. She said, "Oh." But still, I'm not sure if she was actually excited, as as excited as I thought she might be. With that information, so I thought I'll start mentioning names. Maybe she'll know them. Said, so "You know Tom." used to be the well used to be the manager actually but he was a bar manager but he was the manager of the place of the club and she said no I said Do you know Georgia she said no um, oh she said well, can I ask you something I said yeah what are you having to drink? So <laughs> all you're interested in, isn't it? Just serve me alcohol. She said, yep, that's why I'm standing behind a bar. Getting paid to serve alcohol. Quite a matter of fact. The weird thing about it, not, not weird. I liked her. And I suppose I was trying to kind of get her to... I suppose I wanted her to like me. I'm a human being. Sorry about that. And I was trying to, because for years and years and years, I always made an effort with the bar staff and with the the waiters, waitresses, kitchen staff. Seriously, I got to know them all. For years and years and years. For 20, you know, since 1991, before I even started that work in there. Uh, But I, I was, for years and years and years, always made an effort. To get to know people. even dated one. One of the waitresses. For a while. For a a very small while. Always used to take girlfriends there. Used to take friends there. For nights out and stuff like that. You know. I loved the place. It was my favourite place in the whole wide world. It was. It was the only constant that I had in my life. Other than my nan, really. For those twenty years. In fact, it was longer than twenty years because um, it was twenty-five years. But I was, I kind of became less and less involved. And um, once, once we got into the forties, yeah. Once I got into my forties, uh, I'd had very little got contact who I've heard the middle 40s onwards because they changed the venue and everything so I didn't really I still got contact as far as I was still friends with the owner but I didn't I didn't know any of the staff apart from one person and you know everything had changed everything but the it was my favourite place in the world it really was it was so important to me like just I'd go there and my friend who like owned it he'd always like be nice friendly and come and say hello there was once he actually I took a girlfriend in there and I was a security guard at the time. <laughs> I was a security guard. And um, this is a different time, but one, what, two different times I went in there and I wasn't, you know, I was just going out for the night. He showed us so much uh, courteousness and showed me respect, kind of like, hello, sir, come in. He showed me to the table all that. Stuff you know, I mean, it was was really quite nice. And uh, another time, I think she came to the club a few times. At the time, she was pretty much the love of my life. I was with her for, wasn't with her for a long, long time, but it was still quite a while for me. One of my longest relationships. And absolutely best, yeah I was just I loved her not proper proper loved her especially when she was asleep Just was one of these silent sleepers like I'm a snorer but she was a silent sleeper so me being a snorer didn't affect her Because so once she went to sleep that was it So it was kind of almost a perfect, possibly one of the only people that I actually enjoyed sleeping with. I mean sleeping, like being asleep. I almost nearly turned into an adult with her. I started thinking about the future. What can I do for the future? How can I build a future for me and her? And you know, start thinking a bit more positively and bigger. You know, instead of when I, I had a security job. It was fairly secure, but it was it wasn't high paid. It was quite low. There was no minimum wage back then. So if there was a minimum wage... Um, I think the minimum wage is about £8.40 or £8.20 an hour. And I was doing... I was generally doing a lot more hours than an average like person. Like The 40-hour week wasn't... I had to sign a form saying that the European 39 hour week or 37 hour week. I had to waver that when I was doing, when I signed the contract for the security. And I was doing 12, 12, 12. I don't know what seven are. I generally don't know what seven are. Don't judge me. I'm good at other things. I like talking rubbish. I'm good at talking about nothing that's my skill set in a in a kind of listenable voice possibly I don't know I felt quite tingly then when I said I was quite good at something you know my dream my life has been to be good at something. Hello Andre. I think I'm a good dad to Andre. I think I am. You know I cuddle him every day as many times as I can. Tell him that I love him many times a day. Sometimes I chuck him against the wall, watch him slide down like one of those little octopuses that stick to the wall. But that's that's rare. It's only like twice a day. No I don't do that, I don't. And I know technically you could say, well, he's a ferret, he doesn't know what all that means. But, I don't know. I suppose I'm trying to give him what I didn't have. Like, right from the start, you know. I suppose unconditional love. Unconditional love. And I didn't really understand what it was. I suppose maybe because I've never had a baby I've never had um, to go through that process of ch- changing nappies and or diapers whatever you want to call them because you could only do that for someone that you loved couldn't you like day in day out for long periods of time staying awake getting woken up feeding from your booby or from your from a bottle or whatever, but that whole process that's unconditional love. Now I realise that it doesn't always stay that way for some people. For some reason, I don't know how they managed to lose it, but I think I learnt to have unconditional love with him. I think I had it with my nan as well, but I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I could have ever lived with her. I think if I'd have lived with my nan, I think we'd have fallen out. It's. I'm not. I'm not even ashamed to say that because it's probably re- true. It's probably just a realistic thing. I loved. I loved her. And anyone that's ever heard me, you know, listened to me for a while, you know that. I, just like anyone loves loves someone, I'm not the only person that's ever loved someone. It's not a unique human thing, is it? But I'm not a loving person. I'm not. I don't have strong emotional feelings towards people generally. And she. you here and crunching away. See, if he was doing that while I was trying to do a relaxation session, I would be getting so wound up. But because I'm just doing this, not just doing this, this is as important as any of the other recordings I do. Don't get me wrong. Otherwise, I wouldn't still do them, would I? I mean, over 350 now, I've made of these. But the relaxation for stress and anxiety is more popular. I hate to say it. Well, actually, no, it's not. The podcast is, but more people listen to these recordings than listen to that podcast. Because they're on other other podcasts as well. So that's, yeah. that podcast is overtaken because I've got about 118,000 oh no he's talking about the statistics again I've got over 118,000 downloads and plays on this podcast but on the relaxation for stress one there's over 120,000 and my top podcast is about 189,000 I think in fact, in fact, in fact, in fact. I think I'm getting about 26,000 plus downloads. I think the last week I had about 26,000. Altogether. I don't know if that's good or not, I'm not sure. But the my estimate is in about a week and a half, I will reach the million mark. And I really feel like I should do something to celebrate that. Because I celebrated, didn't I, when I reached the 500,000 mark, I think. Did a live recording. I think I celebrated when I did the 600,000. Because I've never had I I think the most I've ever had on a podcast before was 200, just over 200,000 downloads on a kind of, I think it was SoundCloud. And then 500,000 was the most I'd ever had on a YouTube channel. But now I'm at 900... I think it's about 900 and... 79,000, I think. Downloads, something like that. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a bit more. I could find it out just by walking across to the laptop, but I can't be bothered. But it's around that. So in a week, it probably by the end of this month, beginning of April, I'll have reached a million And that's one of my lifetime uh, goals. I don't mean, you know, I wasn't five years old thinking, I want to get a million downloads on my podcast, even though podcasts have not been invented yet, and the internet's not been invented yet, and computers, basically, well, 1975, no one used computers, did they? Home computers hadn't been invented by then yet. It wasn't until probably 1979, 1980 that home computers kind of started being available. But I might be wrong, I might be wrong, I might be wrong. So to reach a million is actually a big deal to me. It's worthy of a cake unfortunately um, actually I could go to the farm the farm market there's a farm shop round right the corner so I might be able to get a cake there and then just share the cake with my neighbour because I couldn't eat a whole cake on my own but how, maybe they might send candles and stuff there that's if they're open but I don't want to go to the supermarket or anything like that but that won't be till next week anyway but maybe this whole thing might have blown over by then and I'd be so cool just to have a million it's hard to kind of explain really because in some ways it's I mean, perhaps it is ego. But I don't care. Because my... I don't mind. I don't mind that, actually. But I think to me, it feels less of an ego thing as an accomplishment thing. I feel like I've accomplished something much bigger than I imagined I could. See Andre's part of the show. He's stealing the show even though all he's doing is eating in the background. <laughs> How can someone fall in love with a ferret? It's strange. Honestly, my I dream about him when i when I was in bed. I do, I have dreams, sometimes dream that I've lost him or, you know, there's a real, I've got a real protection of him. Like, I suppose, like with my nan, I had real, when I was with her, we were out, I just felt really protective towards her the whole time, you know, even when she wasn't elderly and frail. She's always been old to me because she must have been must have been in her 60s when I was when I first kind of got to know her when I was 7 even though I knew her before that I just didn't remember her because it was when I was a kid like very little i tell you what was weird and I'm going off subject a little bit on the last day this this is more for Molly actually because Molly asked me to this might be interesting to Molly because um, she asked me to maybe say more about my childhood but I don't talk about it too much because I like to keep things light if possible but this isn't I don't know but It involves my nan anyway, so it's it's nice. Something that I didn't find out about until probably a few years before my nan passed away. And she told me, and I didn't realise. And then I remembered as someone, but it's just like, anyway. My dad and his new wife, we'd been visiting them and going and staying with them for a few months... And then they decided they wanted to keep us. Or they got permission to have us and adopt us. I think that she adopted us and he was already our father anyway, biologically. So I'm not sure there was no adoption from his perspective. And it's amazing, she was only 21 years old. And my dad was young as well. I mean, he was... I think he was 25 when I was born, and I was 7, which means it had been, what, 32? Suddenly, but I'm thinking more of from her perspective, from his wife's perspective, she was 21, married my dad, uh, I suppose they was like... I guess deeply in love they got married and going through the honeymoon period and and then suddenly they got three grown children I don't mean like adults but fairly grown up there was me I was seven well I was six at the time but I turned seven pretty much just as I moved with them one who was nearly nine and one who was nearly eleven And then after moving in with them, a year later, they had another baby, so they had four children, went from zero to four children. I mean, that's zero to misery in one year. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot for anyone. it's a lot, not just for her, mean, for him as well to you know, suddenly have all his kids and enough one pop up or pop out and so anyway we, we were all due to move there to move in with my dad and his wife well we called our mum I don't know when we were allowed to call a mum, I don't know if it was when we first moved in or before, but it didn't take much convincing for me to call a mum, or mummy, because I was still little, you know, seven, or six, and then it was literally just before my birthday that we moved down there. And the reason I remember it is because it was the summer when Elvis passed away, 1977 uh, and so moved there but that day that we moved officially moved out the it was um, Nazareth House in South End. you can check all this if you think I'm lying I do lie a lot but Nazareth House it used to be a children's home run by Catholic nuns it's now a residential home run by Catholic nuns, the Order of Nazareth or something, the, the Sisters of Nazareth, or the Poor Sisters of Nabera, Nabera, blah, Nazareth, something like that. And I think it's, it's been a residential home since the 90s, and they're even talking about knocking the whole place down. I would love to be able to go there with someone else. I wouldn't want to go there on my own, but to go there and just walk around without anyone with me, apart from the person that's with me. I mean, without... um, Well, I've been there twice, I think. I've been there three times since, just to visit as an adult. But there's always people there. You can't go into the rooms, because there's you know, elderly residents living there, so you can't go into the places. I'd like to go in and have a look at the... Ideally, I'd like to go in with a guide who used to work there. And it wouldn't be one of the nuns, because the nuns were pretty elderly then, although nuns do have a tendency to live for a long time. It must be that lack of guilt <laughs> um, and the but there were support workers i didn't know didn't know the name back then, but they were just uh civilians, they weren't nuns, they'd come in, they'd be wearing normal clothes, and they'd be lovely, most of them. and they weren't that old I mean I might you know I was there from the age of probably five to seven or something like that but they pro- probably weren't much more, more older than like maybe late teens early twenties so they weren't they were not that much older than me not really I remember I remember one one girl, and she was, she wasn't very old, but again, she might have been in her early 20s, late teens, and yeah, we were watching Planet of the Apes, but I think it was the one with, they were on the horses, the original Planet of the Apes, not the ones recently, but back in the 70s, in fact, they might have been the 60s, I don't know, but we were watching it on television. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, but I'm not sure, and one of the the girls, the care workers was tickling me, and it was, I couldn't stop laughing, and she was laughing, I think I tickled her back or whatever, but it was, for whatever reason, I remember it, it's one of the nicest experiences of my childhood. It was like... Uh, I was free. Uh I probably loved her. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, maybe not romantically... Because I was... <laughs> I was a small child. But... I... I wonder what Andre's doing. He's making some weird noises. But I think I probably... I suppose she's like an older sister or something to me, maybe in my head. Because I was surrounded by boys and girls of various ages. So chances are she might have actually lived there. She might not have been a care worker. She might have actually been there because there was teenage girls there. There was teenage boys. There was young, small children like me. And... Yeah, I suppose I probably had quite a few friends. I suppose you would, wouldn't you, if you're living with them, you're sleeping in a room with lots of other kids. Uh, we didn't have bunk beds, we had to like individual beds, spaced apart, but there were still quite a few beds. But I'd like to visit those, just to have a look, and then go into the bathroom that used to be there, connected. And it's quite weird, but this almost—and uh, it might be an institutionalism kind of thing. It's being institutionalized. So, but there is a, a degree of security emotional security maybe with the others with the other inmates it felt it did feel like that and the the nuns were the prison guards and there was a couple of nice ones but it was a case of we all kind of well kind of had each other's back you know looked out for each other Uh, But I've I've got very, very vague memories because it's such a long time ago and I was pretty, pretty young back then, of course. But that laying on the floor, giggling uncontrollably, was... It was a special moment. And I might have wee, had a little bit of wee come out as well. Because I, I lost control of everything. But it didn't matter. Because I think if you're a little kid. And you wee yourself because you're laughing so much. It's not traumatic. You know. Weeing yourself because of fear. And that's traumatic. But weeing, weeing yourself because you're being tickled. That's funny. So... Yeah, I'd kind of... I would like to... If I knew who they were... I'd love to be able to say thank you... To those people that were kind to me back then. Genuinely. Just like my foster parents that I lived with for about a year and a half. From the age of six months, or three months. Three... I think it was about three months, actually. So my mum took off and I lived with foster parents until I was about two I'd love to just know where they are or who they are and contact them perhaps not knock on their door but even that would be quite cool just to knock on their door with a bunch of flowers and just say don't know if you remember me I look a little bit different now and and just sort of say, yeah, it's Jason. You looked after me. You were my parents for nearly two years, when I was a baby. And I just want to thank you. And I just, I'd be so cool. I've come to collect. My, I've come to collect my inheritance. And and they wanted to adopt me as well, so they must have loved me. So that's cool. And I'd love them as well, didn't I, obviously. I'd love I would have loved them. So I'd love I really it would it'd be brilliant. The chances, you know, no one's gonna be listening to this who knows them, but if you do, was it in Enfield in the very early seventies, nineteen seventy to about nineteen seventy three? Oh no nineteen seventy two Enfield, North London. Edmonton something like that I'd love to be able just to say thank you I'd love to be able to say thank you and here's a million pounds seriously but and I suppose I could write them a cheque for a million pounds but it, it might bounce possibly I wonder who else I'd like to say thank you to I'd like to say thank you to my nan. I can't, but I'd like to. Just for being her. I think what I got from her is kindness. I'm not not saying that I'm kind. I just, I got the... I saw what it was like to be around someone that actually cared i um, more about other people than about herself. And I'm not saying that's a unique thing at all because there's plenty of people out there that care about other people, it's just I hadn't really, <laughs> I hadn't met many of them. So it was, it was really nice to... it's just very much about helping other people and going out of a way and I found that to be a quality that I admired in her and I don't know I don't know if I wanted to be like her I don't know. I like the idea of being kind. I've never wanted to hurt... Well, I've wanted to hurt people, but I've not... It's not like being my life's ambition to hurt people. I'd be lying if I said I've never wanted to hurt anyone. I think that's, anyone would be lying if they said that. But as a rule, generally... I didn't used to have the, the, the wish to help people really when I was in my twenties or in my teens and it only really kind of started to kick in in my thirties before that I suppose because of my lifestyle, living hand-to-mouth, I was very much thinking about myself a lot of the time. Trying to get by, you know, trying to have enough to eat, pay the rent, you know, just general stuff that most people, you know, deal with. But my coping mechanisms weren't particularly useful. And that's one thing I kind of miss, being able to teach a child. If I did have a a son or a daughter, I quite like to be able to formulate what I've learned in my life, to pass on some of that stuff to that child. But I don't know what it would be, I don't know what format it would take, I don't know. Because I'm quite, you know, I'm pretty much a reclusive person, I'm not, I don't like crowds, I'm not really into long conversations unless I'm doing the talking. I do prefer monologue to dialogue, but I do. At least I'm being honest. You know, it's it's, it's not all I mean. To be fair, honesty is not always a great thing. You know, someone's being like really horrible, they say, Well, at least I'm being honest. Well, no, you're being horrible. I'm quite sociable on for short periods of time. Sometimes, you know, some people might be thinking, Jason, all you do is talk about yourself. Well, I can't talk about you, can I? I have to talk about what I know about. Mm. So. That would be really cool if I could. I think it's, for me it's not enough to have the feelings to want to help people. For me it's not enough to have the intention. I need to do it. I need to feel that I'm doing it which is why I do these online things, you know, this free service I do, because I need to do it. I need to feel that I'm having, hopefully, a positive impact on some people's lives. And... I don't really feel equipped to do it on a personal level, like one to one, because it drains me. I didn't realise it would. Yeah, I realise, I really, really realise why therapy sessions only last for fifty minutes. It's a long time to be giving someone else uh, full attention and to allow them to just unload. you know what I mean? completely bleh. And you may think that that's what I'm doing, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not unloading, otherwise I would be talking about something very different. I wonder if you can guess what? Does it begin with a C? Is the next word O? Is the next word R? No. Maybe. So. I think my nan was more personal. In person, helping people. It's very... Um, ...personable, yeah, I suppose that would be the word. And I I can be... ...but I also can't be. You know, I can and can't. And it's down to my mood. So that's that's the thing with the bipolar, I guess. I never really know which... ...which mood is going to kick in. And sometimes I don't get a lot of notice... And it's not split personality. It's it's not what bipolar is. But I guess from the outside it can seem like... um, The person is being completely different. But they're not. They're just being a version of themselves. So when I'm... When I've got different moods... When you've got a mood, it's just a different version, isn't it? It's still you. It's just... You in that mood, whatever the mood might be. Some people wake up grumpy. I do sometimes. But if you see me later on in the day, I'll still be grumpy. No, I might, I might be really, you know, up. Then you see me later on, and I might not be. You know. And I guess that's the same with everyone. It's just, I think, with bipolar, it's it's kind of more extreme, more extreme. It can be. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about bipolar. It's uh, our sort of friendy and it's and I said, I found I said it's, it's not it's not a different personality he said I know what bipolar is I know all about it said, there's difference there's a difference between having bipolar and living with it every day of your life compared to understanding about it intellectually or even working with people that have bipolar it's different can never be the same. It's a different different experience. And also everyone experiences bipolar differently. So it's you know, it's a very like any situation, we all experience things differently. In it? Yeah. Most of the time I sometimes wonder if my next Word will rhyme so oh yeah so I'm um, in the children's zone with my two brothers two because when I was born both my brothers were older than me and two years between each of us and we were so we're in South End. And out of nowhere, my mum, the biological, um, you know, I used to live in her tummy at some point, that that one. The She came and took us out for the, for, I don't know, the morning or for a few hours. Now, I recollect that there was a woman with us. But I don't recollect who it was. And my mum took us out. We had chips in... Well, a chip shop, I guess. It was like one of those cabins, port cabin things, on the beach. And so we had that. Then... She took us and we bought some pens. Well, I bought some pens. That had things like rake and a spade and a pitchfork and stuff like that on the ends of them. As lids, for some reason. And. I guess we walked on the beach and. There's no parachuting, we didn't do any parachuting. But. We, you know, we did that and then we came back. And that was kind of the last time I saw her. But I didn't realise that my nan was with us. And she said she came with us to make sure that my mum didn't run off with us. So even then, even though she hadn't really... I did not know who she was at the time, because we used to visit um, London and see my Nan and granddad. you know, even before we moved um, back with my Dad. But I just don't remember, I'd forgotten it. But my Nan said she insisted on going. No one else was allowed to go, because it was my Mum's time with us, you know. My dad couldn't go and his wife couldn't go. So it was really if my nan or maybe my aunt. But my nan came with us and I thought that was really nice that she came just to make sure that we got back safely and weren't kind of taken away again. weird, isn't it? Apparently my auntie and my uncle I only found this out last year and my auntie told me that she they tried to adopt us you know, uh, to look after all three of us And I got a house and everything like that, but they weren't allowed, for whatever legal reasons. It brought up up some questions in my mind, to be fair, which I need to post towards the individuals connected. But I just thought it was really nice that my nan was there, looking out. I think one of the things that's one of the weirdest parts of sort of living that kind of life is there's not much in the way of photographic evidence of my existence. And there was, I think there was one black and white picture of me in a pushchair and I had blonde hair apparently when I was, well, I guess, pushchair level, so, a year, so that would have been... I don't know. It might have been when I was living with the foster parents. Or it might have been when I was two, three months old, I don't know. I'm sure I didn't look like a baby. I'm sure I looked, you know, a bit older. I wasn't in a pram. I was a proper buggy. You know, proper, and I think it was one other picture, and then there was a couple of pictures that the children's home had of me and my brothers, that were from the school, like school pictures that were taken, and then outside of that well my dad and his new wife they took lots of pictures constantly for years from the age of 7 to the age of they probably stopped taking pictures probably when we were about 14 when I was 14 everything kind of came to a standstill pretty much by then but it was lots of years of pictures being taken and they all got, got missing they all went destroyed I think But my nan had pictures of me. Again, they've gone. I think one of my aunties took them all, so I never got to see them. But occasionally my nan would get them all out. She had these huge huge collection of boxes of photographs and and photograph albums, like going back to you know, pictures before she was even born, like her grandparents. And the have to be careful with the. Or to be fair, someone was so old. the The photo albums were made of rock. But the it was really nice. It was like s- drawings, drawings of her grandparents in chalk. And there was some pictures of me when I was sort of growing up because we spent a lot of time with our grandparents, like weekends, uh, you know, Christmases, birthdays, all that stuff, uh, for years, for, since I said from... seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, a good six, seven years. And... So there's lots of pictures. So there's a few. It wasn't huge amounts, but it was pictures of me and my brothers and stuff, which was nice to see. But as far as the pictures taken by my actual parents, all dis- disappeared, gone. So it's almost like the childhood didn't happen. It's weird, like f- photographically. I mean. And I'd love to see those pictures, just to see myself, see what did I look like when I was 12, 13, 14, 9, 10. I don't know what I looked like. I've got no pictures, no photographs. just wish I did, So I'd like to just look, you know, just, uh, just, just for myself really. And, so I don't know what happened to my nan's photographs, I assume that one of her kids took them and that's it. And I've pretty much not taken any photographs my whole adult life. I have no photographs of anything that's ever happened, ever. There's was a little... There's a, a picture frame... That my dad gave me... When I moved in here... With a few pictures of family members... And stuff... On it... But I have no photographs... Of me... Or... You know... Ex-girlfriends... Which I would have really liked to have... I'd like to have able to look back... To look at sort of... Some of those... Situations... I say I've got no photographs, I've got loads of photographs of Andre, but they're all on disk, you know what I mean they're all on digital' no actual photographs although i could I've got a printer now, so I could use I could get some photographic paper and get them printed out, which is something that I might actually do now I'm thinking about it. I've also got hundreds of videos of me talking so I've got you know I could make photographs out of those and that spanned over over 10 years because I suppose I have kind of got photographs kind of and there's a photograph in the newspaper from 2006 where I'm bald completely I would shaved my head I look awful. Really terrible. Not everyone can pull a bald head off. Sounds weird, doesn't it? You know what I mean. Not everyone can pull it off. I, I don't have the right face for it. So that's the end of that recording. it's another one done, yeah, another one done, so just you know, try and keep positive, remember that whatever's happening now is only temporary, remember to be kind to yourself, and this might be more important now than ever. Do something nice for yourself today. Do something nice for yourself today. Because you deserve to be happy. Lots of love. Bye.